Good afternoon, everybody. I've come to you to finish up the topic of a crisis of identity. Last time, I attempted to explain how either you're a Christian or you're not. I may not have explained this in the best way. The points that I, I went back and listened to it, and the points that I made may have not made a whole lot of sense. And if, that, if that's the case for you, I'm sorry. Uh, this time, I prepared some notes. I know last time I said that I, I didn't like to do that, but in hindsight and after taking some biblical counsel I went ahead and done that and, it, and I think it will help us continue in a, in a better in a better flow so I want to sum up this is going to be like a three-part series and uh, I'm going to sum up the intentions that I had for this series <clears throat> you are you are what God has made you male and female he made you them according to Genesis chapter 1 we're created in the image of God and uniquely designed for his glory at any time, any time that you feel like like you're something that you're not, or that you or you feel like you're maybe in the wrong time or something, I've heard a lot of different kind of comments about I believe I'm a man who's born in the wrong time or things like that. I think that's whenever you're starting to, to deal with with a little bit of an identity crisis. <clears throat> this is an attack on the person that that is has a crisis and it's also an attack on the person and the work of God he knows us better than we know ourselves after all he is our manufacturer the original state that God made man in was originally called good that is not the way we find ourselves now however but in the beginning in the garden after God created everything the pinnacle of his creation the the uh, zenith of all the things that had been made was man and man is the only thing that God formed from the earth with his own hands and breathed life into his nostril and man becoming a living soul there's a lot there's a lot of things to consider in that so whenever you feel like you're you're not what god had made you or if you feel like you're some kind of hmm, if you don't feel like you're the man or woman that god made you then it's really an attack on god more than it's an attack on yourself and you need to understand who does that attack there's an enemy out there who wants to see us dead and destroyed. He hates God, and therefore he hates God's creation. So what better way to come against the king of glory than to come against his pinnacle of creation? And it's really high time we understood that that's the case. It's really high time that we understood that that the uh, the, the wars that are raging from, left, from, from our neighbor's our horizontal relationships, as we say in the Christian church, uh, man and his brother, man and his neighbor, man and his spouse, these these grievances that we find with each other, most of the time, most of the time they're an attack. And whenever you don't call them an attack or you act as if though they're not an attack, you're really just sticking your head in the sand and you're hurting yourself. You're not hurting anyone. You're, you may be hurting other people <clears throat> as well as yourself. Please excuse me. But there's no doubt that you're hurting yourself. Now, I have a mountain of biblical evidence to support this claim. I have a mountain of biblical evidence to support that you're made in the image of God. Now, that has been, that's something that will, will, will never stop being under attack, I'm afraid. Not in this world. Not in the time that we live. Masculine men. Manly men. Feminine women. These are terms that have become derogatory in some ways. We uh, we look down on women in society now, society as a whole. 
Obviously, I'm not talking about me or I'm not talking about the church. No, no, nobody has been really, nowhere have we seen the enemy's attack as more pointed than against women. Now, in a garden, who was the person who was attacked first? Who was the person that was deceived first? It was Eve. The serpent didn't come against Adam. Adam had been given authority over that garden. Adam should have taken authority over that serpent at that moment, but regardless, the attack was against Eve originally. Later on, uh, God judges the world, God judges the serpent, God judges everything. We find ourselves in a fallen state. And over and over since, the attack has been on the family and been and been geared towards the women. When I what comes to mind when I think about this more than anything is the issue of life and abortion. Women in our society have become almost a political point to politicians and leadership. They they say things like conservative politicians don't support your right to choose life. But what they're actually saying is conservative politicians don't want women to murder the unborn. It's not about choosing life. Life is there. It's about ending life when we're dealing with abortion. Studies have shown over and over and over again that the overwhelming number of women who have abortions are uh, forever, forever scarred. I'm sure there are some physical scars, and I'm sure that there's physical things that can happen. I know I've heard of people dying during botched abortions and things like that. I'm talking about, obviously, the, the women dying during botched abortions. The children almost always die during abortions. There are some cases where, where children survive by God's grace through, through these abortions. However, what I'm getting at is the physical is not just the, the injuries that women abstain during, or sustain during these abortions. They're always a mental aspect, and they never get over them. They never get over them. Studies have shown over and over. Now, I don't have them studies in front of me, but I remember watching a documentary on on uh, an ex-abortionist and some of the things that, that she said she saw from these women. It's terrible. It's terrible. I, I encourage you to do some own research. Don't just take my word for it. Look it up. See how many people suffer permanently from murdering their unborn child legally. Legally. In any case, that's kind of a side note, a little squirrel moment there. But we've we've said that masculine men and feminine women aren't don't have any place in society. We all have to be kind of one homogeneous thing. We have to be stirred up and, and emulsified into one type of person. I remember whenever my children were playing softball in, uh, in Cherville's, uh, uh, I can't remember the softball league's name now. But in any case, they played baseball and then they played softball. And the, the coach – the overseer for the teams, he wasn't the coach. He was the, the head of the entire Dixie Youth. That's what it's called, Dixie Youth Softball Program in, in my local town. And and he had this great big speech about how they're not, they're not girls when they're on this field. They're athletes when they're on this field, and they're my athletes on this field, and I'll treat them as such. After his little pep talk and political statement, I came up to him and I said, listen, as long as my daughters are on that field, you'll treat them as, as, as ladies. They may be softball players, yes. That doesn't make them anything less than ladies. You treat, you'll treat, you treat them accordingly, or you'll answer to me for that. Now, 
I, I don't like violence, but when it comes to my children, I'll protect them. And I expect any good man would. When it comes to my wife, I'd protect them. What am I saying by saying that? Am I saying they need my protection? You're 100% correct. They need my protection. The Bible says that they're the weaker of the two sexes. Two sexes, obviously. That goes without saying. This this nonsense of multiple genders out there is, is exactly that. It's nonsense. That doesn't mean that we lord over the women in our lives as subservient to our strength, but rather... As Christians, we serve our wives in the same manner that Christ served us. Because my children and my wife aren't capable in many areas of, of defending themselves, God has given me that, that, that obligation to defend my children and my wife. He has strengthened me for this job. He made me for this. Again, this is kind of a squirrel moment. But that's what the world would want you to stop believing. The world will want you to believe that, that, I mean, think about it. Every sitcom that's on television currently, as far as I know, I don't watch a lot of television, but most of the sitcoms that are on television today, who is the biggest buffoon in the family? If there is a nuclear family in there, it's the dad. Nobody's dumber than him. He's the only one who's not in on the joke. All he's there to do is to add comic relief for the main character, who are usually the kids, who are usually being led by their peers, who are almost always doing something they shouldn't be doing it's a it's an attack it's 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 it's, a, it's not even a it's not even a well-disguised attack if you have the bible in front of you so there's some there's some aspects about this that i want to hammer down because it's easy to say all right fine god made me Therefore, God's okay with my life, right? That's, that's kind of been the marching orders ever since Paul dealt with people in Romans chapter 9. Well, if God made me, all right, so if God made me a sinner, then he can't judge me as a sinner. Of course he can. In Romans chapter 9, verse 19, Paul's talking, he says, You men will say, why does he still find fault? For who has resisted his will? These people are saying that God is sovereign, that his will is sovereign, and therefore if he's made me a sinner, he can't, he can't judge me for being a sinner. God made you. Sin is the state we find ourselves in because of Adam's decision. Remember that. In the original state, we were good. God made us good. Now this, this fallen state we find ourselves in is one that needs to be redeemed. Now, this is not God struggling with a plan B. This is not God struggling to try to save face or anything like that. God knew this is the place that we would find ourselves in. But, but because he's good and because he is holy, God has said, all right, man will, man will fall. There will have to be redemption for man. So from the very beginning, the plan and the predeterminate counsels, the Bible would say, was for Christ to die for sin to redeem man back to God. Again, this is not plan B. This was the original intent because God is sovereign and God knows what's going to happen in our lives. God knows what's going to happen from everything. He tells the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. So, we find ourselves now. We can't always go, we can always use, the, we always should use the Bible to determine where we are in a timeline. So now we are in a fallen state. If you are not a Christian, you are in a fallen, unrepented, ungenerated state. 
regardless of whether you're a Christian or not, you're still in a fallen world, which is why we're talking about dealing with attacks from the enemy. This is why we're talking about people having a crisis when it comes to who and what they are. If you don't understand who God is, you can't understand who you are. And if you don't understand what God's called you to be or what God has set you aside to be, then you can't understand and nor would you be living a life that is fulfilled. The objective of this podcast, or this series of this podcast in any case, is for you to understand, one, that you are made in God's image, fearfully and wonderfully made. <clears throat> and it's also so that you can understand that you need redeeming. Every area of my life, I want to make sure that I'm preaching the gospel, that I'm telling people that we need Jesus. And by saying you need redeeming, I'm saying you need Jesus. You need to be saved. Salvation is done through faith in God, by grace in God, in Christ alone. This is a three solas of the Reformation, as it's been called many times. It is, it is absolutely, it is absolutely pivotal, and it only happens this way. There is no side door. There is no back. There is no carve out for God in His kingdom for unrighteous living. Being God's handiwork, and being and being called by God, and being and being set aside by God, all these things are His original intent. Are His original intent. I wrote something down here. I'd like to, I like to share with it. Uh, I sort of got out of line with a, with the squirrel moments there, but I said we're in a fallen state. We find ourselves in a fallen world, and if we're and if we're uh, unbelievers or if we're unconverted, I don't I don't want to use too much church talk. If you don't believe in Jesus, and if you don't if you haven't fully put your trust in Jesus, I don't want to leave any kind of room for anybody to take something I'm saying out of context. If you have not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you are not only in a fallen world, but you're in a fallen state. God. Fully man, fully God in Jesus Christ. And the person of Jesus Christ being fully God and fully man took that rugged cross, put it on his sinless back, walked up Calvary's hill, died on that cross, three days later rose from the dead, sealing our salvation by his resurrection, but having answered for the punishment of our sins on that cross. It is important that you understand this is the gospel. It's important that you understand this is the way of salvation, is faith in him, Faith in Him, Jesus Christ. So, so much work out there has been done by the enemy to try to blur these lines. They take the marriage covenant and it's drugged through the mud today in, in American society, especially in American society. Let me explain to you for just a second why as Christians we are to be, we are to be fighting tooth and nail to hold on to this marriage covenant the way that the Bible is laid out. That's right, I said the Bible lays out. Not a traditional view of marriage. So many times, so, so, so many times I've heard Christians refer to the marriage covenant as a traditional view of marriage. I disagree with that term because traditional simply means something's been around for a long time. There's a hundred years from now, a homosexual union can be looked at as a traditional union because it's been around for a long time. Let me speak a little bit pointed when I say this. The reason, the reason that the marriage covenant is so important 
is because of the covenant relationship or the mirror of the salvific relationship we have with Jesus Christ. When my wife and I got married, all the bills that were hers became my bills, and all the money that was mine became our money. Everything that was hers was mine, and all that was mine was hers. There was nothing separate between us. I didn't have two different accounts. We didn't have two different homes or two different beds. Everything that was mine put her name beside of it. She had the authority at any moment. Listen at that. She had the authority at any moment to call any 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 lender, banker, or anything and use my name, my credit, my previously, singularly in the past, my this or my that, and do with it whatever she wanted to whatever she wanted to it was her right as my bride whenever christ died on that cross and went in that grave and returned three days later alive forever putting off death hell in the grave and taking up his taking up his own life by his own power he answered the, the sin debt problem and he answered the problem of sin by the bible says by becoming sin in second corinthians chapter 5 now, if you become a follower of His, if you put your faith in Christ, if you ask Christ to save you, not enter your heart, but to give you a new heart, for Christ to come into your life and completely radically save you and change you to other most, then what happens is you become in a covenant relationship with Him, and hallelujah, what is His is yours. And by that I mean His righteousness. He's perfect and right standing with God, and only those perfect and in right standing with God have access to the kingdom. And because of Christ's righteousness, because of Christ's perfection, then those of the, those are called His bride, i.e., the church, are allowed access into the kingdom. Not access into the kingdom because of their good works. Not access into the kingdom because of the truth that they tell over the lies that they tell, or because of their their views on things. But no, because of their relationship with Jesus Christ, they're allowed access into the kingdom of God because of that covenant relationship. So whenever you take a covenant marriage that is a mirror image of our salvation with Christ, if you take that and you taint that with homosexuality or with more than one wife or marrying an animal or marrying a building, as I seen on a New York show, a New York news show one time, then what you've done is you've, all, you've blasphemed. You've blasphemed God. We are to protect this with everything that we have. I won't apologize for it. I want to apologize for protecting a biblical view of marriage. Now, more than just, more than just protecting it from flesh and blood and, and perverse perversity, we protect it from the enemy, and we protect it from from society, which is you know what the enemy tends to be working in these days. We also protect it against multiple divorces. We don't we don't just protect the marriage covenant from homosexual relationships or uh, I think the word is polygamy. I'm not really good at the English language. But we also protect it from people who get married and just decide they want to divorce their wife because they don't like something. Now, I understand there's sometimes things happen. I understand that. And that's a really deep subject that we don't have time to go into in this podcast. But I do, if, uh, and if there is some interest in that, I have some friends who have just started a marriage ministry and uh, I would love to have them on and discuss some of the things that they've they've seen God do or some of the things that they want to see God do in our churches and in our marriages today. you got to make sure, first of all, 
that you know who Jesus Christ is if you want to have a good idea of who you're supposed to be. This crisis that we find ourselves in where nobody can identify, where nobody identifies correctly with what they are is because they don't know they don't know who God is and they don't know what their original intent was. Uh, I, an example I usually use is when people are standing in front of me, I'll take something like a cell phone or a uh, pocket knife or something like that and I'll I hold it out and uh, I'll, I'll tell somebody, I'll say, this is, I'll t- take, a, take a cell phone. I, I have a Samsung uh, sm- smartphone. If I hold this smartphone in my hand and I say, well, this is a smartphone, it'll do all kinds of things. Here's what here's what the, some of them are. You know, one of them isn't it'll drive a nail. It's not made for that. And if I try to use my Samsung smartphone to drive a nail, I'm going to wind up tearing it up, and I'm not going to be successful in my endeavors. That nail is not going to go into a board. It's going to go through my phone screen. Remember that. You were designed with an intent purpose. And intention in that purpose is to worship the Lord forever. That's what you was made for. You can't do that if you don't know who Jesus Christ is. You can only worship God in spirit and in truth. I pray today that you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Don't worry about what you have been, and don't worry about the state that you're in right at this second, but rather put your faith in Christ and watch what He does. He'll change you and make you new. And one of the, my favorite scriptures in the Bible, it's, it's one that I, I cling to all the time because I know what I was. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone in Christ, this person is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Today, if you're struggling with what you are, what you are or what you're supposed to be, take a step back. Realize what God has already made you. Look in the mirror. It's, it's pretty simple. Pick up your Bible. And find out who Jesus Christ is. Ask Jesus Christ to save you and lead you. He'll never lead you in the wrong direction. And everything he asks you to do will be divinely appointed and perfect for your life. I apologize this podcast went long. I did not get to cover everything that I wanted to get to cover. And I hope, feedback is appreciated, I hope that uh, I've covered the bases right and I haven't left anything out. If I've led you in any kind of way that it was confusing, I want to apologize for that. I want to have an opportunity to make it right. You can message me, or contact me in any in any way that you. My uh, emails jfjones1105 at gmail You can email me directly, and I would love to uh, to contact you with any kind of information that you may need to help you live a life fulfilled, which can only be done in Jesus Christ. I want to pray with you before you go. <clears throat> Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you, and I ask that you bless this this podcast, and you bless those people who've taken time to listen to this long podcast. I pray that you you minister to them. Or if there be any listeners that don't know you, I pray that you save them, God, and that you bring them up in the most holy faith. We'll be sure to give you all the praise and the glory and honor for it, because you're worthy for it. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening. I'm Big John, and it's been Real Talk.